Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for another opportunity to come before you and to just learn of you, Lord. Father, I ask that you would sit me, Jr. the man, down and that you, O sovereign Lord, would rise up big inside of me, placing your words upon my lips. Father, please speak to all of our hearts tonight, for you know exactly what it is that we need to receive from you, Lord. Send forth your word and allow our hearts to be open so that we might receive it. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, everyone. So we have a pretty cool subject we'll be talking about tonight. And that topic itself is responsibility. Now, when we think of the word responsibility, we usually think of it from the perspective of what it means to us. And for us, responsibility is the state or fact of having a duty to deal with something or having a control over someone, or it's the fact of being accountable or to, you know, be able to place the blame for something, you know, on yourself or another person. That's usually how we rationalize what responsibility is. Now, the thing that I really find interesting about responsibility is when we look at it from a a biblical sense and what that means for you and for me. So we have a few definitions that we're going to discuss tonight. The first of which is called Gregoruo. I know it's a funny word, but let's go ahead and dive into these definitions. So the word Gregoruo means that I, it means to be awake or to watch. And when we look uh, down at the helps word studies, it's literal translation means to be vigilant. Now we know that vigilance in the Bible is all about us staying aware of the situations at hand. Now, as we continue our little word study that we have going on, we take a look at the next word, which is pistis. Now, pistis <clears throat> is all about faith or faithfulness. And when we look down in the helps word studies, we see that faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. So in short, faith for the believer <clears throat> is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or our confidence yet it involves it. The Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so that they know what he prefers. And we take a look at the, the very bottom one. And pistis in the secular antiquity refers to a guarantee or a warranty. Now, this is very important for us. In scripture, faith is God's warranty, certifying that the revelation he and birth will come to pass his way. Now, lastly, but not least, we take a look at the final word, 
which is Massa. Now, Massa is the Hebrew word for responsibility, which translates to a load, burden, lifting, bearing, or tribute. Now that we've gone over all of these wonderful definitions, let's go ahead, combine them together and actually get to the purpose of what we're talking about here. So we see all of these definitions and they all relate to what scripture has to say when it comes to being responsible for things. Responsibility in scripture usually is referred to as faithfulness. The Bible teaches us that if we are faithful over few, then we will be given more or we will be <clears throat> we will be allowed to be responsible for more things. Now, that comes out of Jesus's own mouth, which is pretty awesome, because while we can use all scripture because God gave it to us for teaching and reproof, it's the words out of the master's mouth, which are the ones we should just be clinging on to point blank period. So if we take all of our definitions we could say that we have the responsibility or the steadfast, vigilant faithfulness, this this faithful, vigilant burden of ours, I'll say, has been placed upon us in the sense that we are to be responsible, not just for our relationship with God between us and, and the Lord, but also in the sense that we are responsible as a community of believers, a family, which we discussed last week, for one another. Our sole purpose in life after getting saved is to be a vessel for the Lord. We were created for his worship. And once we get saved and we start going through the sanctification process, it's our responsibility or our our faithful, vigilant burden, we'll say, to be that example, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light on the pillar, like the Lord has described us to be. It's so that we can be everything God has intended for us to be, which is, you know, in the general sense, to be the to be the worshiper, to be the the tree planted by the riverside, to bear forth fruit, to heal the nations and so on and so forth. But also whatever your particular goals are in life that God has placed before you. I can't tell you specifically because that's between you and God. And unless he chose a prophet to let you know that that's between y'all. But other than that, so we have a lot here. We've broken down a lot of vocabulary Let's go ahead and make it relevant and see how we can use this to be more responsible or more faithful in our everyday lives. So first and foremost, we are going to take a look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 21. And again, this is coming out of the Lord's mouth himself. So we have something that we can really just hang on to right here. And so the Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. 
The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who had received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount or you have been responsible in the things that I have placed before you. So now I will give you many more responsibilities or... As the King James says, I will appoint you as ruler over many more. Let's celebrate together. Now, here's the thing here. If we would continue reading the servant who had been given the two bags of silver, the two bags of talents, which is how they called money back in the day. He went on and he brought forth the two extra bags that he earned. And again, Jesus in this situation, because the master is him, of course, is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the few things I've given you. God's definition of few is very different from our definition. God could bless you with a billion dollars. We're just going to use a big number here and say, well done for being faithful over this little amount that I've given you. To us, that sounds crazy because God, a billion dollars, I would never have to work another day in my life so long as I lived. Well, here's the thing. If God only gave you five dollars and you doubled it to 10 and he told you, well done. And then out of nowhere, that ten dollars automatically turned into a million. What does that tell us? It tells us that if we're faithful or responsible, no matter how it looks to to our little human eyes and our warped perception, God will not only bless you, but he will keep adding unto you. Some people, and I know it's hard for us to understand at times, are in different positions in their lives or their walks with God. What one Christian could be responsible or faithful over might be very different from what I could be responsible or faithful over. As an example, my grandmother, who has been And an active walk with God for longer than I have been alive will most likely, if we were given this same scenario, be the one to be given the five bags. Not because I'm incapable, but simply because her capabilities far exceed mine. That doesn't mean that we're we're less valuable. We talked about it, I believe, last week that we all are a part of one body and we all serve the the same core function and that's to help spread the gospel. Now each body part has its own particular function that helps aid in the overall functionality of the body as a whole or we all serve in different capacities for God, but we all help make up the same church or the same body or the same family. Everybody has a part to play, which helps out the overall mission that we're here to help fulfill. Doesn't mean we're any less valuable than less. But it's in this situation here that we need to change our perspective. 
If God, in the situation of the last servant who did not end well, was given a bag of one bag of silver, which still is a lot of money. If God gave you one dollar, well, you can make that dollar work for you. That's what my grandparents taught me growing up. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's about how you make your money work for you. When you do this, when you're responsible over the thing that God has given you or when you're faithful over the thing, things begin to change. Not just what the master will give you, but things begin to change in you. You start to hold an appreciation for the smaller things because you realize in the grand scheme of things, it's not about the stuff. It's about how accountable you are. And that's what matters in this in this little short snippet of scripture in this parable that God is teaching. And if you want the rest, it ends up uh, the master is very disappointed in the one with one bag of silver because he didn't do anything. He sat on his hands and acted like the master was never coming back. He said he was coming back again. He didn't say when. That's why the Bible tells us to be steadfast and vigilant, to stay awake, to be on guard. We don't know when God is coming back, so just be prepared. If you're prepared, you don't have to get ready. See how that goes? But it didn't end well. He went, dug up the money, brought it back to him. The master told him you could have at least invested it, put it in the bank, and I could have got some interest off it. But instead, he took it from him, the thing that he was given to be faithful over, gave it to the one who had the most and then cast the, the, the unfaithful servant into the outer darkness or in our case, that would be, you know, hell basically. So, but the point of this is, is to help us understand where our perspective is and the things that we have. Me and my brother Broderick often talk about where we are currently in our lives and how we're thankful to God, because when we start When we stop actually uh, thinking about the things that we could have and start appreciating the things that we do have, we realize that, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm exactly where God needs me to be for this particular time and season. When you start thinking about life from that regard, well, what begins to happen? That perspective of yours begins to change. And now your perception of what you should be faithful over changes a lot. When this Bible study of ours first started, it was probably like 20 to 30 people in here every Friday for like the first two months. Two years later, we get about six, seven solid people. And on a a high note, it might be 15. Now, I'm giving you a number example, not because I'm not thankful for y'all that show up, but because it's about the perspective change. Many times, and then we'll move on with scripture. We hear about teachers, preachers, pastors, so on, who had about five close friends, maybe a, a living room with four people in it, and they would hold Bible studies or they would actually have a church service like that. And then all of a sudden things blew up and now they have these mega churches. I'm not saying that there's a mega church on the way. But what I'm saying is God is looking at the faithfulness 
Can you be faithful over what I'm giving you? Can you be faithful over the few people that show up to hear what I've given you to say? Can you be faithful over the little bit of money, even though you can't always do everything you might want to do, but you have exactly enough to meet your needs month after month, day in, day out? Can you be faithful over the few connections that I've blessed you to have in your life? You may want more friends, more resources, more whatever it may be. But we fail to realize a lot of the times that it's the few people in our lives that are exactly who need to be there. We don't need to always be like the big shot that has a a vast circle of people in their lives because half those people are like leaves. They're there one second and gone with the flow of the wind. But when we accept what God is trying to do in our lives, if we would just let him be God and stop trying to to do his job for him, well, maybe our perception of our faithfulness would begin to change because faith, according to the Bible, it is an evidence of things hoped for. It is the reality of things that have yet to happen just yet. But we put our faith not just in God, but in the prayers that we send to him, that he will not only answer them, maybe not the way we want them to be answered all the time, but that they will be answered. Whether that answer is, yes, here's exactly what you asked for, or yes, but here's a different way I'm going to give it to you because it's going to serve a purpose, or no, because you're not ready, or no, I got something better for you. You, you see what happens when we shift our, our perception of our faithfulness, not just over the things that we've been blessed with, but also over God's plan for our lives. Be faithful to it. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but he does. So let's move on. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And so the Bible says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, we literally just touched upon this. What does this mean for you and for me? It means that whatever the capacity God has assigned to your life, do it. Just do it. Do it well. Do it to the best of your ability. Do what you got to do to make sure it's excellent and Of of course, more important, the most important thing of all, use the power God has given you, the power to do all things in his name, the strength to keep pushing forward, even when you don't feel like it, the ability to to call upon your family, to seek prayer, to pray for one another, to to just fast and meditate sometimes. But do what you have to do with all the tools that we've been given to make your gift or your talent work well. My my dad, and he's listening right now with my mom because they, they share the call. 
he um he told me one day we were talking that he believes that God gave him the ministry of just making people laugh. I cannot tell you how important it is to laugh. Life is rough at times, sometimes more so than it's not. And a good laugh helps cut through all that that muck. And it helps us to realize, you know what? Even though this situation is bad, life itself is not. Why? Because we're not dead anymore. We have become alive. We have arisen to new life thanks to the sacrifice that God has made for us and the gift that he's given us, which is the ability to accept him. The Bible in the first chapter around maybe the 10th ish verse in John chapter one. It tells us that God has given men the ability to become his children, meaning we don't just choose God. Why? Because there's nothing good inside of us to go choose him. Us would say, I'm not worried about that. I want to keep sinning. Sin looks good. Sin sounds fun. Being holy, trying to be better, being a good person. ah, It's too much work. I'm good. But because we've all come here with a measure of faith and then God activated when we hear the gospel, which is the testimony of who he is, it then begins to to spark something in us. And it says, hmm, this Jesus fellow sounds interesting. You mean to tell me I don't have to be depressed every day? I don't have to contemplate uh I don't have to contemplate doing terrible things to to get my bag. You mean to tell me I don't have to be angry at this person anymore, even though those people over there hurt me? I don't have to go attack them or curse them out or wish ill will upon them or so on and so forth. Whatever worldly perception we had, you mean to tell me I don't have to live like that anymore? And then what happens? We, We hear more. We start to want to crave more. And then God puts us in these special situations where we're given the ability to now say, I want you. I don't want me. And there's a certain form of faithfulness or responsibility for for you and for me, for the believer, that we're implanted in certain people's lives that may not know God yet. So that when they see our lifestyles, when they see how we interact, not just with them, but with other people, how we respond, not react, but how we respond in situations that'll make them say, you know what? They're different and I want to know how they got here. And that's where God's power shines the brightest, because we always are given that chance to say, well, it's not me. It's all about God and what he's done in my life and for me. Because trust me, me a few years ago would have handled that very differently than how I handle it right now. Because I would have reacted to the situation instead of responding by taking a moment and saying, you know what, that really got got me mad. But Father, I don't want to do anything crazy. I don't want to do anything wild. So I'm being faithful Or I'm being responsible in this situation by taking the option out of my hands because I will mess this up royally. And I'm giving it to you, my guide, my Lord, my king, my priest, my confidant, my comforter, my advocate, my strength, my peace, my everything. I'm giving it to you 
so that you can handle this accordingly for me. Because if I don't, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I might set a bad example for this person. That seed of theirs that's been activated by hearing about you might just get snuffed out. That flame might get some water poured on it. And the last thing we want to do is to be responsible for such a thing because it's our one of our core objectives to help expand our family, to help bring people out of darkness and hold them in the light. Does that mean we won't make mistakes? No, we make them plenty. And, you know, that's that's what I, I constantly remind us about, because I never want us to beat ourselves up when the mistakes happen. We're human. We're not perfect just yet. The glorified body is on its way. But until we get it, ooh, we got a, we got a long road ahead of us. But but take heart, be of good courage, as the Lord himself said, because he's overcome the world for us. So, again, when these situations happen, we can be faithful or responsible, not to us, but to him, because he's the one handling the situation. As we read earlier in our definitions, the faith that God gives us is warranty. It says that in the the midst of you have a, a human moment, God's faith that he's implanted inside of you or the warranty, his seal of approval The voucher that you have, which is called grace and mercy, and best believe we don't have a one use. We have an unlimited use voucher here to where when these things happen, not only can we turn it in and redeem it, but in that same situation, he wipes the slate clean. Now, one of the the biggest things about responsibility, and then we'll, we'll move on to our last scripture here is the fact that responsibility isn't just about being accountable to 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 yourself to God and to other people but it's also about understanding when you need to ask for the help now we we talked about this again last week where we have this family we have this community where all the resources that we could ever hope or want for not only just come from God, but they are also readily available. If we would just ask the book of James tells us that we have not because we ask not. And sometimes when we do ask and things still don't change, it's because of the selfish ambitions or the motives of the heart. So we go through our sanctification process. We go through these moments where we're, we feel like we're stuck on the side of the mountain. We have these moments where we feel like we've kind of plateaued because now that once straight climb feels like we're kind of hanging at an angle and it's kind of hard to get a grip on things. But these things happen so that our desires can be purified and more aligned with our father's desires who I need, if I need remind you, is no longer Satan. We were bought at a high price. And since we've been saved and have been grafted into the family of faith and are now reborn into the family where it's now our birthright to have grace and mercy, to have these new opportunities, to have a a true family and a true father who actually cares about us. We now have these opportunities and these resources and everything else we need. And all we need to do is ask if you have a need and you don't know where things are coming from or where they're going to come from. Ask if you just need prayer 
ask if you need a friend ask if you need to to talk something out ask whatever it is ask and don't just ask not thinking that it's going to happen but ask out of faithfulness or ask responsibly knowing that your responsible father The one who is faithful above all else, even when we aren't faithful to him sometimes because it happens. But when you ask him, when you change your perspective, when you change the way you view your faith and what it really means to be a faithful Christian or a responsible Christian, it says, well, if daddy told me I needed something and I just have to ask, well, why don't I ask? Pride, don't mm, throw that out the window. I know it's tougher. It's easier said than done in a lot of situations. All of us have been there, done that. Some of us still there, still fighting through it. But let me tell you, there is no better feeling than asking for a thing that you need and then receiving it and then some. There is no better feeling. But let's also responsibly or faithfully ask for the things that we need. Let us not ask simply because we want a thing. Let us ask because there is a need that needs to be met. Let us ask knowing that not only will God provide and supply, but that it'll just, it'll happen because your father will not, he wouldn't dare of not taking care of you. So let's wrap this up. In Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13, And again, this is out of the Lord's mouth himself. Jesus says, if you are faithful in little things or if you are faithful over few, you will be faithful in large ones or you will be faithful over many. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? That's very important for us to see. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, here's the biggest thing here for us and a very what's the word, a very apparent situation going on in the world. There are too many people who actively worship money, whether they want to admit it or not. They're they're showing who their God is through their actions. The reason why, let's just say healthcare is probably the biggest scam in this country of ours is because people are worshiping money. There is no reason why human life, which is something we cannot give nor get back. I don't care if you go do the thing and someone gets pregnant. If God does not want that person to have a child or does not want that child to see this world, well, they aren't. So as much as people love to think we're in control of things, we're in control of very few things. Unless God says so, a thing cannot happen. Unless God allows it, things cannot come to pass. I don't care how much money you have to throw around or how much weight you think you got with these relationships or powers or whatever. It does not matter if God does. If it's not in his plan to occur, then it cannot and will not happen. Point blank, period. With this. When we as Christians 
are serving the Lord and we have needs, it's okay to ask the Lord for for some for some resources. Father, I need some money. Things are tight. Things are crazy. I, I could use a little bit more. That's fine. We're asking him out of a place of need, not this place of of, of greed where I will can, how can I get more money? There are billion dollar corporations in this world, plenty of them by this point now, especially in the year 2022, who keep trying to find ways to accrue more wealth. And the thing is, why you technically at this wealth pool never need to really do anything else. Keep producing the same products and prove them whatever. You're fine. You're golden. No one. You're good. Trust me. <clears throat> but this thing called greed which we'll say is the will of their God money is for them to do whatever it takes to get more of it. While on the opposite end, the will of our father who fills us up with nothing but love and passion is to help bring people out of the darkness. Now, when you weigh the two together, of course, most people from a worldly standpoint are going to say, but you got to get the bag. Being a Christian doesn't let you get the bag. And I, where, where are you getting your facts from? Again, as a responsible or a faithful Christian, as a faithful or responsible child of God, we know that the father wants us to have the things that, you know, help aid in our happiness. It's okay to to play a game, to watch a sport, to go to a concert, to be with friends and family, to go you know, to enjoy the things of life. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible teaches us that if you've worked for a while and you've accrued these things and it's okay to enjoy the fruits of your labor. But at the same time, it's not telling us to go out there and enjoy sin. It's, it's explicitly prohibiting that. We have grace and mercy. So what do we do? Try it? No, that's that's not the point here. But when it when it comes to responsibility, to our faithfulness, to the things that God has placed in our lives to to be stewards over, to be vigilant over, not just the things, but over one another, because we're here as a community to help make sure that we're all doing our very best in our own God given time to be the best Christians that we can possibly be. We make mistakes. That's okay. Love one another through it. God loved us enough while we were enemies to save us. And now that we are saved and being sanctified, he's doing it even more so in the sense of, I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to make these mistakes, but what does your heart say? Did I go do this because I really wanted to and felt like it? Or did my humanity do what it does best and try to mess me up? If that's the case, well, don't worry about it. God gave us grace and mercy so that when these things happen, we can say, Father, I made a mistake. I don't want to keep making this mistake. Please help me. And what happens? If you're sincere, God will do just that. He will help you. He brings these things to the forefront of our mind so that not only we know what to pray about, but we know what to tell others to help us pray about, too. I can't tell you how many times my mom, my 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 granny, my aunts, my uncles, my, my boys, so many people have confided in me things and vice versa 
not to spread gossip or mess, but so that we can pray for one another. The more prayer we have in our lives, the more power that God can send forth down. The more we show the faithfulness to one another, the people God has blessed us to have in our lives, because believe it or not, there are some people out there who are unfortunate, who have no one. But when we are faithful over the people in our lives, well, what does God do? He can trust us with more people to be faithful over. I cannot tell you how many people my grandmother prays for on a daily basis. My mom, my aunts, whoever. It's And it's not because they necessarily just wanted to go do these things. It's because they were faithful over the people they had in their lives. And then God gave them more so that they too could see, hey, you know what? God really does care. And so this faithfulness or this responsibility of ours, it's, it goes way beyond the, the physical things that we can see and touch or, or the money in your bank account or the, the, the wealth in the land. But it, it all comes back down to the core principle of what this life is about. It's about Jesus and it's about helping save souls. So when you're accountable or faithful or responsible over this kind of stuff, like Jesus himself said, well, then why wouldn't he trust you with the important things like helping save the souls of people, the the eternal thing that has a destination, one of which can be rest and peace and tranquility and happiness or eternal damnation. I mean, there's one of two things we have here, people. But all in all, the point of all of this is to help remind us of how good our God is, how much he loves us, And the simple fact that all it takes is a step back and really opening your heart and your mind about the way you perceive things. Yes, we like stuff. Yes, we like making sure not only our bills can be paid, but if we want to go do something at the spur of the moment, we have the money to go do it. That we have good friends in our lives to go have a good time with or vice versa. It does not matter. But at the end of the day, it really all boils back down to that soul principle of helping bring other people out of the darkness. Cause we were once lost, but now we're found. We were once blind, but now I'm, I can confidently say we can see not because of anything we did, but because of all the things that God has done for us in us through us and continues to do so. So with that, remember it's your responsibility or your faithfulness to not just be a good steward over the things that you have, but to be a good steward of the people who are in your lives. Check on them. Spend time with them. Pray for them. Please pray for them. We all need prayer. And just spread the love that God has freely given to us, to other people. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. It doesn't matter if they wronged you. Do your God-given part, whether that's to teach them, to, to be there for them, to lead them, to make them laugh, to serve them, whatever it is. Do your part that God has given to you. Be faithful in it. Be Do it with a smile on your heart, not necessarily your face, because sometimes some days are hard, but do it with a smile on your heart and watch how God blesses you. Heavenly Father, 
We come before you just saying, thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that the faith that you've given us, it isn't just about being able to pray for things and expect them to happen because you've given us this hope or this this warranty, Lord, or this divine assurance or the blessed assurance. But Father, it's this faithfulness, this responsibility that you've given us that allows us to be there for one another. Because Father, you're there for us. And the church itself is a direct correlation. It's an it's a a direct reflection of what your love looks like for all of humanity, Father. So as your children, as the mirrors that reflect your light to be able to refract it into other people, God, I ask that you would allow us to be more selfless like you, Lord, that you would allow people to see less of us and more of you, Father, that when they see the way we respond to things, to people, to places, to situations, that they would be so awestruck, not because of something we did, but because of the way that you handled the situation inside of us, Father. For it's your Holy Spirit who leads us, who guides us, who teaches us, who trains us, who does all these things for us inside of us, because Lord, you've made your home with us, Father. For you said yourself that you stand at the door and you knock, and if anyone would open up and let you in, that not only would you come in, but you would sit at the table and you would sup with us, you would eat with us, Father, as a friend. And you reiterated that once more to the disciples and to everyone else who had a heart to listen and an ear to hear. You said that there is no greater love that a man has except to lay his life down for a friend. And you call us friends for we used to be slaves to sin, to to the iniquity in our hearts. But then you set us free, Lord, when you hung your head and died. When you rose on the third day, you rose with all power of life and death in your hand. You took the, the victory and the sting from death in the grave and you subjugated all power back into yourselves. The same power that we relinquished when we sinned in the garden you gave it right back to us but this time you gave it to us with a warranty with a seal and that seal is you yourself lord you didn't just entrust it to us on our own but you said that you personally would come and live inside of us father and that you yourself would do the greater things and all we have to do is make ourselves available to you so you take out all the hard parts you take out the part where we need to to really go do the thing and you do it for us because you said lord that if we would just come before you like the little children children have complete trust in those that they know love them if you if you tell a child to just trust them if you say baby trust me they'll just trust you i can't think of how many times <clears throat> that my my grandmother or my mom would tell me something where there was a moment where it seemed like I couldn't do a thing, but I trusted them and then it happened. Well, Father, it's the same way with you. When you tell us to trust you, if we would just trust you, if we would be faithful with the love or responsible with the love that you've blessed us with in our lives, that you've imbued us with, that you've birthed us with, Lord, well, then things would just begin to look so differently. So, Father, we thank you that we now have a better understanding of how to be faithful, not just over the things that we've been given, but the people too, with the souls that we've been entrusted with to help look after, to help pray for, to help strengthen, to just be an ear to, to, 
to just be there for God. We thank you so much that we now have a better understanding of how to be more like you in an even greater capacity, how to tap into that power, that strength, that peace, that prosperity, that love that you've given us, and to just emulate it more and more each day in more ways, Father. God, we ask that if there is someone who doesn't know you the way that we do, that they would be put in a peculiar situation so that they too could build and grow a nurturing relationship with you too, Father. Because God, without you, I can't even imagine what this life is like. With you, it's a little difficult at times, but Father, it's more than bearable because you've overcome all the hard parts for us already. And all we have to do is trust your love for us, trust the plan that you've handcrafted for each of our lives, and trust the love of the community that you've made for us. So Lord, we say thank you. We love you and we'll be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form or fashion today. Each week we hold Bible study on Zoom and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you, and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.